Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders Network. Featuring Tales to Terrify and the all-new Far-Fetched Fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova, everybody. Welcome, hello and welcome to show 438. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Tell you what's coming in today's show. We have a story, story, story show. No interviews, nothing. Just two story, two fantastic stories. First up is a little short, little tiny bit of fiction by Sunny Patel, The Attic of Memories. Yes, fantastic, man, fantastic. Then the main fiction is Skins by Yurik Davidson. That's all coming into today's show. I do hope you'll stick around and enjoy it. couple of things before we kick off this show. Remember, the, the end of last show, I was, you know, letting you know how, where we're going to go down with the kind of Starships over and trying to get a bit more, a bit more revenue in the kind of the District of Wonders. You know, don't stop your donations, for God's sake. No, no, don't stop your patrons and everything like that. But we will be putting the some adverts into it there, working with a company. So I, I, at this very minute, I don't know exactly how, but hopefully it will be. You know what I mean? Hopefully that will generate some revenue. And like I say, I mentioned that last week. And positive, positive, you know replies there so i was i was chuffed to bits yes there the might be that you know the case where we kind of ring fence some like older shows and have them on a kind of pay if you want them but that's it's looking at this moment probably 90 percent chance that that won't happen anyway so it was just that's the, one of the kind of services they provide but the adverts everyone's you know we kind of i think we're used to them kind of things anyways now on this on the sofa but it's just everyday life you know they're, they're everywhere on on shows so, thank you so much for if you wrote in, if you kind of, you know, came back to us like that. Yes, a couple of things, you know, like, I think 
Everyone, everyone was was happy with the kind of adverts. Do you know what I mean? A couple of people wasn't too sure about the kind of ring fencing, and I totally understand. Do you know what I mean? So, like I say, that'll be the kind of desperate means I think at, at this time and stage. The next one is the Museum of Science Fiction in Washington D.C. will be hosting a three D event known as Escape Velocity, which will be it's actually part of the Comic Con and part Science Fiction Festival. Now, the hope and actually Starship so far as listeners might be interested in this event. And, you know, actually on me, me social media, if anyone's kind of interested in, in that way as well. And they said they would extend a 20% discount on administ- admission to anyone who's kind of listening to Starship so far. If you use the code SOFA20, so you would get into Escape Velocity. You know, this is, like I say, a part of this Comic-Con over there at Washington, D.C., part of the Museum of Science Fiction, no doubt. Use the offer code SOFA20 and you will get 20% off. How cool is that? I will put a little link on where you can kind of, you know, come over the front of the site and pop in there and you'll, you'll be able to kind of book your tickets through that way as well from the escapevelocity.events site. SOFA20, there you go. So first up is, we'll get into the kind of stories there, I think, there now. First up is The Attic of Memories by Sonny Patel. Now, we played one of Sonny's stories before, and it was just, man, just fantastic. I just dig this writer so much. I hope just good things are going to kind of keep on sprouting away from Sonny and just kind of grow and grow and grow. Just a great writer. This story was originally published in Fantastic Stories of the Imagination. Now, if no one knows about Sunil. Well, I hope you I hope you will after this. Who is a, a Bay Area fiction writer and playwright who has written about everything from ghostly cows to talking beer. His plays have been performed at San Francisco Theatre Pub and San Francisco Olympians Festival. His fiction has appeared in Saturday Night Reader, Fireside Magazine, Orson Scott Cards, Intergalactic Medicine Show, Flash Fiction Online and The Book Smugglers. It's actually forthcoming in Fantastic Stories of the Imagination and Genius Lord as well. Tales of the Spirit Place. Now he reviews books as well at the Fantastic Lightspeed and he is assistant editor of Brothership Zeta, another fine sign. His favourite things consume nachos, milkshakes and narrative. And I'll put like, there's loads of links there so come on, pop over there and kind of say hello to Sunel. Because I think, like you say, very soon, kind of lots of good things are going to be happening with Sunil Patel's writing. Just it, it's it's very nice, and it's you know it, it's a it, we played like a story a few weeks ago, not a few, a few months ago. There now, how time shoots away, and it would it it got loads of great reactions. So I'm hoping this one does as well. Stories narrated by Julie C. Day. Now Julie C. Day's fiction has appeared in such venues as In the Zone, Podcastle, Resurrection House Anthology. She holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of Southern Maine Stone Coast Programme and a Master's of Science in Microbiology from the University of Massachusetts. You can find the latest story, Florida Miracles, in Interzone 261, which is a fine magazine, man. Oh, As well as narrating for Starships Over, Julie is the host of the Small Beer Podcast. If you want to hear more of Julie's voice, you can find her narrations of... Carmen Miranda's Miranda, Carmen Miranda, Carmen Maria, 
Manjiro's I Bury Myself, and that's over at the small beer press site there. Now, there's a link on there, so you can pop straight over as well. And if you want to kind of go over and actually see, not see, or, or speak to Julie and talk to Julie, there is Twitter and a website as well. Those are all on our site. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. The Attic of Memories by Sunil Patel My attic craves memories, hungers for them. Jacinda, it whispers, show me the universe. So I do. On Ryden, I meet a Terran expatriate named Janessa. We laugh at the similarity in our names and share a cup of warm hungus, a local drink made by grinding an aquamarine flour until it turns crimson. It tastes of cinnamon and honey, though neither can be found on that world. I place the taste into a box to bring home. On the way to Seralia, the starship is attacked by pirates. They board the ship and swarm the corridors, pointing a blaster at each passenger and demanding valuables. I hide beneath my cot, huddled up like a baby in the womb, and dare not make a sound. A blaster shot. A body falls. The door slides open, and a pirate pokes his reptilian head in, sniffing the air, then sneezing. He shakes his head and leaves, and the door slides closed. I let out the breath I've been holding, but not before I put my fear into a box. The elephantine aardvarks of Nictus have grown to become docile and tolerant of humans. Legend says they were once fierce creatures that ruled the tundras, goring small rodents upon their tusks, but terraforming destroyed their habitat. They adapted as best they could. Despite the assurances of the ranger, I cower in the face of the creature's massive tusks and long snout. It approaches slowly, each footstep causing the ground to reverberate. Out of its snout comes a thin, prehensile tongue, and it licks my face, tasting my flesh. The ranger reminds me that it does not see me as food. Hesitantly, I walk to its side and gaze upon its gray, leathery skin, like the cover of an ancient book, full of stories in long-dead languages. It is surprisingly warm to the touch. I lay my head on the beast and listen to its heartbeat. To two heartbeats. I glance at the ranger, startled, and she nods at me and smiles. Two hearts beating slightly out of sync, the most beautiful sound I've ever heard. Into a box it goes. My attic gives me boxes, iridescent cubes solid on all sides. When I return from a journey, a new box waits for me. I only need to take one box. I always know what to put in it. Before my attic spoke to me, I had never left the planet, cowed by the multitude of other worlds and wonders. But the boxes my attic provides are smaller than the worlds they contain. Its desire has become mine. 
Each box is attuned to me and me alone. I worried that in places of high emotion, I could return with someone else's memory. But that has never occurred. The box knows me. The attic knows me. In the sprawling metropolis of Ferraro, I have a love affair with a woman named James. I tell her I will leave when the sun's next rise, and she takes it as a challenge, whisking me from landmark to landmark, from the founder's statue at the city center to the garden of forgotten dreams. She sings ballads of the city's history, her voice like honey, though none can be found on that world. I boldly kiss her in front of a restaurant specializing in Terran cuisine, which she had suggested as a joke. That evening, I place the box on the nightstand. When she asks what it is, I tell her it is a diary. She smirks and removes her clothes. At the peak of our lovemaking, I place my ecstasy in the box and hope that just this once it takes someone else's as well. I go to the edge of the universe, as far as they will allow. The voyage takes decades, even in hypersleep, and the starship takes me to the furthest point recorded by humanity. They advise against active movement soon after waking, but the instant I have the ability to walk, I am at the nearest observation window, staring into the darkness. There is nothing at the edge of the universe. It is empty. I feel empty. The box is no longer empty. Awe at the ingenuity of the ancient Rhodites who built an ice bridge that stood for eons, the sting of a Goliath wasp that leaves me incapacitated for days, the thrill of tumbling over the winefalls of Apennae, the breeze against my cheek upon emerging from the murfish bathhouses, joy at being in the midst of a swarm of electric butterflies. Each box holds a piece of the universe and a piece of me. In my attic, I drink hot cocoa that smells of clitheroe, though none can be found on this world. Cradling the box from Travipessa in my hand, I hear the rousing applause at the end of the laser-light opera, a communal outpouring of gratitude that we, of all people, were lucky to have witnessed such a performance. I set it down and look around at the wooden rafters, like prison bars. My attic, confined here like a mad wife in a Victorian novel. My attic whispers, Have you seen everything? Have you been everywhere? There are many more worlds to explore, many more worlds to bring back. The boxes glow in the dim light of my attic. My history surrounds me like a halo. My attic holds memories, so many memories. But there is one memory I can never give it, and it is this one. The reminiscence that fills me with the warmth of a purring fire cat in my lap. There is no box for my nostalgia. The feeling will always be mine alone. I come here to remember, but my attic will forget.
There you go, Sunil, what can I say? Thank you so much. Don't forget, copyright is Sunil Patels and Julie C. What can I say? Thank you again. Oh, lovely voice. Thank you so much. So, the main fiction, and like I say, it is Skins by Yurik Davidson. Yurik Davidson is a freelance writer. He has written short stories, essays, reviews, and screenplays. His novel, Unwrapped Sky, was published by Tor Books in 2014. Sci-Fi Now claims it can go toe-to-toe with China Mabel's best. Kirkus Review calls it impressively imagined and densely detailed. Newton Review of Books says it's one volume you cannot ignore. His novel, The Stars Askew, will be out in 2016. And his screenplay, The Uncertainty Principle, co-written by Ben Chesel, is currently in development. Yurik can be found at yurik.com and tweets at Yurik Davidson. Now, a new narrator to the folds of Starship Sova. Its story is narrated by Cossack Nursum. Now, I know I'm getting that totally wrong, totally wrong, but you can have a listen to his voice on this, on kind of next now and, and coming up and have a little listen to it so you know how I've butchered it compared to how you meant to see it. Cossack is a management consultant by day and a writer by night with a keen interest in psychedelics and role-playing video games. And again, the website there, pop over a link to Twitter as well. So, Karsig, thank you so much. And again, sorry for messing up your name. But the Starship Sova is very proud to present. Skins by Rurik Davidson, narrated by Karsig Narasimhan. She doesn't know I'm hovering a few steps behind her, my skin crawling with anticipation. She's pushing through the metro crowds past fortune tellers with names like Dr. Bay and Queen Adama who are passing out business cards. One session to discover one's future love and wealth. It isn't so much. When she reaches street level, she glances across Boulevard de Clichy, up the rising alleyway to Sacre Coeur. A hundred mooshes buzz around the metro exit, recording and assessing for anonymous companies or departments. The government already know me, of course, and who isn't petrified of these policemen? hopped up on amphetamines, uh, implants and body modifications only adding to their dissociation. I can't remember the number of times I'd turn a corner to see two of them slouching, faceless behind their chunky insect-like masks and their flapping trunk-like appendages. I should be safe. I was born in France, but it has a peculiar effect on your mind. Those half-hidden police and those little mechanical flies spinning in the air, their thousand refracted eyes spinning you, recording your every move, feeding it into the system for later use. But there's not enough time to worry, not now when I have her in my sights. The tourist shops along the steep alleyway are filled with Americans and Germans collecting overpriced miniature Eiffel Towers and tasteless t-shirts reading I Love Paris. As I pass them, feeds open one by one in the corners of my sight. Lists of the shop's merchandise and links to virtual vendors. They blink out as I pass by. The system is everywhere. A shuttle cuts across the sky, ferrying one of the 1% to meet another of the 1%. That still doesn't add up to 2% though. I'll bet she's part of the 1% too. They always are. Maybe I'll lure her in by offering her my own knickknacks, which I carry in the bag slung in my back. These are fake replicas of West African sculptures, crappy oriental scarves made in dirty factories out in Le Benlieu. 
That's how I was supposed to make a living. I'm not the greatest at it, truth to be told. When she reaches the base of the rising steps, she stops again. Everything about her says she's the one I want. She's alone, slowly drifting through a tourist zone. Others prefer to find them in the Latin Quarter where they wander through the streets thick as a flock of sheep. But I prefer the tourist zones. There are fewer, but the success rate is much higher. For a moment, she turns her head ever so slightly. She notices me and stiffen a little. Before I can be sure, she's climbing up, past the tourists and the teenagers drinking beer, eating potato chips and tossing their rubbish on the grass. To stay out of sight, I race up the winding pathway on the other side of the grassy incline. Bushes block my view of her and when her staircase comes again into view, she is gone. With heart beating from the chase, I reach the flat viewing platform in front of the church where a thousand more mooshes zip and dance through the air. A crushing weight presses down on me. I had such high hopes for this one. Uh, but that's the way it is mostly. We never find what we are looking for. Trying to rec- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Consile myself to the failure. I lean against the fen and look out over the chattering tourists sitting on the incline below, out over the vast expanse of Paris, to the great wall of mega scrapers on the horizon, an immense grey wall encircling the city, casting a dark shadow over the sixteenth arrondissement. Suddenly, she's leaning against the rail beside me, looking out over the view. Why are you following me? She, or should I say it, turns towards me. The rush of adrenaline is like a blast of bliss. My heart is a bell tolling in my chest. There's a roar in my ears. Up close, I can see now the impossible perfection of its skin. And the way as it squints up to me, creases appear with too much regularity around its eyes. I was just building up my courage to speak to you, I say. It's fine once you've actually begun, but you know, the those first moments? Like approaching any stranger, I suppose. Have you never worn a skin, she says naively. The roar abates, my heart quietens, I smile widely. One day, I hope. 
Were you going to visit the church? I'll show you around. She stopped smiling and where micro-expressions would normally indicate curiosity or sudden realization or even shock, there's nothing for me to grab onto. It's as if I'm looking at a cartoon face. Finally, she says, why not? Vaster than Notre Dame, the interior of Sacre-Cœur is dominated by its grand pillars and Byzantine-style frescoes. The church's feed opens in the left side of my vision, and a virtual priest, hands clasped together in front of his black robes, asks for a donation. The skin strides smoothly beside me, and I tell her the church was built after the Paris Commune in 1871, and that Montmartre was Paris's most rebellious neighborhood. It was built as a bastion against the communards. We are circling the altar, beneath the glorious Romano-Byzantine mosaic of Jesus in the Alps, dressed in white robes, surrounded by cerulean sky, with his arms wide and piercing eyes. It's impossible not to be moved by his glory. She looks at him and says incongruously, You're not going to ask for money after our little tour, are you? Again, I smile my most beguiling smile. I am a product of the French school system. It's still quite good, despite the fact that the National Frontists have been in power for two generations. Some things take a long while to roll back. What's your name? she asks me. Guillaume, I say. Is that your real name? I shrug. She overlooks my hesitancy and says, Well, my name is, with, with a touch on her arm, I silence her. A thrill runs through me and I leave my hand lightly resting there. I don't want to know your name. I don't want to know anything about you. Her own smile reveals the perfect thermoplastic teeth. You like mystery, do you? When we step back outside, the sun has come out and the magnificent vista of Paris opens up before us once more. A flock of pigeons circle a pile of bread someone has emptied on the ground. My name is not Guillaume, my name is Modou. I guess we all wear our skins, she says. What shall we do now? Would you like to sit down? We could have a beer. It's no good, I wouldn't be able to process it, she says. But I'd be happy to sit and watch the tourists, unless you've got something else in mind. With that, I turn to her, look down into her eyes, imagine her in some far-off place wrapped in her exoskeleton, looking right across the world, all the way to France, to this handsome young black man. Even there, she's smiling. I think we both know where I'd like to go. We enter her hotel on the Boulevard de Clichy and my feed lights up brilliantly as we enter its particular subset of the system, that combined space of material and incorporeal. Here, where it's dense, it's as if an entire digital world is superimposed on the material one. A concierge stands behind a luminous phantom front desk. He looks up at us, smiles his digital smile. I call him the concierge, but he's really the hotel. Any number of him are walking around a place like this, advising customers on the best way to take the catacombs tour, or the location of the best Thai restaurants in the Belle Ville, or the positions of the greatest shopping complexes in the megascrapers. The concierge's smile seemed to flicker a moment, that's impossible, so I presume it is simply my cheap feed implants. For those who can't afford them, the government installs free ones once the students reach the Lycee. But a lot of the time they are faulty or result in infections. 
then you just have to pump yourself with antibiotics and hope you haven't a superbug lodged into your head. My implants have been playing up for a while now and I have to be careful when I enter sophisticated subsets of the system, like high-end hotels. I'm always confusing real and irreal. Once I leaned on a wall only to find it wasn't there and I fell into a dirty broom closet. The skin I was with laughed his head off. It didn't matter anyway. He threw me out quickly enough. It turned out he was only filling in time. The concierge speaks as if I'm not there at all. Ah, you have a new friend. You don't have to worry, madam. Everything is recorded. I wish I could turn him off, but only the rich can buy control of their feeds. We all know what the hotel is talking about, but the skin says, I don't want you to record my room. I want privacy. The concierge's virtual face remains perfectly still. But of course... When we are in the elevator, she says, My country has a long history of dictatorships, she says. Not fascist ones, but, well, you know, it's hard to be seen as an outsider. I don't mind, I lie. I like being invisible. Her room is spacious, with a kitchenette she would never use. A balcony overlooks a side street. Warm summer air drifts into where we sit now, on the couch. There's excitement, of course, and the truth is, I'm not quite sure why she agreed to take me up here. Maybe she's filling her time, too. I slip my pack under the wooden table beside the couch and freeze for a moment. Perched on the table is a Mechex printer the size of a bowling ball. Older printers were like ovens. The printing occurred inside their structure, but the new ones are effectively mobile heads, which move themselves around using flexible legs. Through a combination of several complex internal mechanisms and with the right cartridges, the Mech-X is capable of constructing not only metals, plastics and glass, but graphene and other rare allotropes. Mech-Xs are popular among the rich, especially when traveling. One can print out all sorts of luxuries or necessities, depending on which way you look at it. Apparently, they have the ability to remodel feed implants. Supposedly, various anarchist groups use them to short-circuit the government's control of their feeds. There's a whole dark system out there. You're peculiar, Mudu, says the skin. You were born in France and I can tell you're intelligent. But there's something distant about you. I resist the desire to glance back at the printer. It's easy to be an outsider in France. It's always La République this and La République that. It's no place for an immigrant. She shifts closer to me, looks into my eyes. Most fine skins repulsive. The orderly twitches of the muscles, the perfectly symmetrical cast of the face, the clear and bloodless eyes. So close to a human and so far from a human. It sets my blood racing. What is wrong with me? Why don't you want to know about me, she says. It's part of the excitement. I could be anyone. I might be from Osaka or Rio de Janeiro. I might even be a man. My smile has washed away in the rush of the moment, leaving me breathless. It's part of the excitement. She stares at me and again I can't figure anything from her expression. What is she gaining from inviting me here? I know you won't get anything from it, but will you please? My voice rushes out, strained with tension. That's what it always comes down to. Begging. Mostly they say no, but some say yes and then they are disgusted with themselves later. One of them even hit me later and chased me from his room. 
She reaches over to me, her hand brushes against me and seals the front of my pants. Her hand cradles me gently as she kneels on the floor. Slowly I reach down and slide her hair off. The bald thing before me is instantly androgynous. That's how they build skin so that they can be accessorized to become either male or female as the wearer likes. Its rubbery lips touch me and there's a thing resembling a tongue, strangely dry but gentle. It looks up with that perfect inhuman face. Is this part of the excitement too? I barely manage to croak out my whispery words. It is. From the balcony, I stare down at the ground cars jammed up against each other on the street. Sweat dries on my forehead as a swarm of mooshes spirals past me. Several break away from the roiling cloud, examine me briefly, move on. I assume these belong to the hotel. But many will belong to advertisers, filing information about us into the system so that sooner or later, advertisements will pop up in front of us, carefully tailored to our tastes. Water runs into the basement somewhere in the apartment. The water is shut off and a moment later, it steps beside me once more. A smooth and sexless organic construction. I'm from Vietnam, that's where my body is now. Don't tell me anymore, please, you'll ruin it. I was only joking, it says. I wanted to see what you would do if I told you something about myself. Let's talk about you then. Where do you live? I think about our little apartment in that disaster zone of Le Ban Liu, past the megascrapers. I think about my parents who emigrated from Senegal two years before they shut off the borders. Four sisters, one already married in our little nest of hopelessness, excluded from anything but the lowliest of jobs. What could we do but hold on to what little we could and survive the war of all against all? I live in Saint-Germain-des-Prés. I am a student at the university, I say. I'd wanted to go to university, but again, what can one do? I didn't think you were allowed to go to university. They made an exception for me. It cocks her head to one side and it stares out to the distance. Something has popped up in its feed. Yes, of course, she says out loud. When we turn and step back inside the apartment, the door is open. The concierge stands before two masked policemen, assault rifles clamped to their right arms, insect-like masks hiding their faces. Then I'm sweating. My skin crawls once more, this time in dread. The concierge smiles sadly. I'm sorry, madam, but the boy has taken your Mechex printer. You can't trust Lenoir, you understand? One of the policemen steps across to the table by the couch, pulls the printer from where it had been hidden in my bag. I didn't put it in there, I plead, but it's no good. This is it. They're going to send me to the camps in Normandy. I glance momentarily at the balcony. A short drop, that's all it would take. Then it would be over. Anything would be better than the camps. I start to edge myself back, ready to fly. Its voice is firm and it takes me by surprise. Didn't I say no recordings? The concierge gestures to the balcony. Our mouche has detected the printer in his bag, madam. He must have taken advantage of the fact that the hotel's internal recordings were off. The second policeman has the assault rifle pointed at me, but he won't waste a bullet. No, he'll hit me with a paralyzing agent. It's bad, losing control of your body like that. There's pain, but there's nothing you can do about it. I was hit with one during the riots last year, when entire sections of the suburbs burned down. But a wave of vandals scared the police off before they could drag me away. 
I was lucky because 18 died in the cells that night. The police standing in the hotel room were itching to get at me. I glanced quickly over my shoulder. Four quick steps, a leap. My poor parents. All those years of struggle to find that things are worse for them here than back in Senegal. Perhaps they'll console themselves with the thought that I was always strange. The fear has me now so that I almost miss what it just said. I dredge my mind for the words before they sink away and manage to reconstruct them. Yes, there they are. No, sir, you're wrong. I gave the printer to him as a present. I'm standing there, blinking at it in disbelief, and there's a standoff now. The hotel doesn't believe her, but what can it do? It picks the bag up and passes it to me. Here you are, Guillaume. Holding it awkwardly, I zip it back up, the printer once more inside. Without blinking, the concierge nods and says, Forgive me, madam, we assume wrongly. Come, Guillaume. We are about to leave anyway, aren't we? He slips her hair on and once more becomes female. Somehow we end up in the elevator with the two silent policemen, ominous and robotic beside us. I can hear them breathing behind those masks. Any moment I expected them to turn, grasp me with their powerful hands, crush the life out of me. But the doors open and they saunter out, terrifying the guests and passers-by. It's a relief when I find myself back onto the boulevard and the hotel subset drops away, leaving me mostly back in a mostly corporeal world. I don't care that a cloud of mooshes follow the two of us to the metro station, where I take the printer from my bag and hold it out to her. She laughs and it sounds strange. Skins are never good at conveying extremes of emotion. Their settings max out too easily. I meant it. I'm giving it to you. There's no longer any logic to events and all I can do is ask stupidly, but why? You don't live in Saint-Germain, she says. I knew it from the beginning. You're a poor immigrant living out of Paris somewhere. You try to hide here, but I see you. You understand. I used you. That leaves me silence for a moment and I feel unnervingly vulnerable. No one sees me. No one uses me. I knew you were following me. I could see you, you understand? I knew what you were and I lured you to the hotel. What happened between us? I want it to happen. My thoughts are structureless. All inner order has given way. She has what I need, the ultimate anonymity, the connection without intimacy. And I have what she needs too. The night to my day, the inverse of my dark desires. The words tumble from my mouth. We can meet again when you return to Paris. we found each other now. I'll never know who you are and you'll always have me. You still don't understand, she said. My thrill is in the luring. In the fact that they, you, don't know that this is what I want. That I'm searching for you even though you think you're luring me. Again, I have nothing but the stupid words... But why? She smiles. It's part of the excitement. Her answer echoes in my mind even after she walks away, hesitates after a few steps and turns her head slightly, all the time aware of my presence and then she strolls on once more. It echoes in my mind even when I'm back in the metro alone holding the heavy bag. Perhaps now there was a chance for my parents and my sisters. The mechex might buy us another life out of the ghettos maybe even in Belleville. Yet none of it matters to me. I'm filled with a terrible sense of loss that I can't explain. As I sit, clasping the bag feverishly, my feet lights up with a suited man who smiles cheesily at me. Would you like to be someone else? 
Would you like a new life? Are you too black? Change the color of your eyes and skin. Apply for gender reassignment surgery. Radical reconstructions can rebuild you from the ground up. Above his head, a window opens with a link and I desperately want to shut him down. But he goes on advertising body modification until the company's time is used up. And he blinks out of existence. Leaving me on the rattling metro, thinking not of the future, but of her last words to me. How strange she looked, with her hair hanging slightly off-center and her skin so fresh and so perfect. Again I imagined her in some far-off land, wrapped in an exoskeleton in the dark, speaking those final last words. It's part of the excitement, she had said, and with that she left me standing alone, as if I was stripped to my skin. There you go. Don't forget, copyright is Yurik Davidson. Yurik, thank you so much. More, please. More, more, more. That was a fantastic story. And Kansik, what can I say? Big thank you. So that is today's show. Like I say, I hope you enjoyed it. Just just two stories there. Just to get you a bit of the kind of literature there. You know, we have got interviews. You know, I've got loads of interviews coming. I just want to play those two stories. And like I say, last week we kind of mentioned, you know, the, the adverts and stuff like that, the ads, and you're, you're happy I've never heard anything. So thank you so much for that. And if you wanted to pop over to my little new interview show where I'm interviewing adventurers there, I'm interviewing Sam Furman this week. And Sam stood up one day in England and decided to hitchhike to China, as you do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There you go. Have a listen to that. So, until next week, I'd just like to say good night from me. Will our heroes survive this terrible ordeal? Can they win through with their integrity unscathed? Can they escape without completely compromising their honor and artistic judgment? Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of Stories of This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website www.districtofwonders.com Thank you for listening.